Hello, everyone. We're glad you found us and welcome to our podcast at antiqueauctionforum.com. We hope you find this show entertaining and informative. This is Martin, and I have Harry Rinker on the line. Now, I've heard the name for many, many years, and it's almost synonymous with the antiques. I'm probably a household name by now. How are you doing, Harry? I'm doing great. How you been? I'm doing great, and thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure. Always fun to talk. We're almost coast to coast. I'm in Michigan. You're in California. That's right. That's right. And uh, what's your weather like out there today? Well, you know what? It's a good thing I'm not still living in Connecticut. They've had a terrible winter. In Michigan, we've had not a bad winter, and the sun's out and shining, and it's in the 40s, and they wow. get hit with snow today. Wow. You know, I, I spent a little time, uh, I'm trying to think of the, it was outside of Detroit, but a really nice nice area, and uh, drove around a bit in Michigan. I, this was in regards to an antique boat I had years ago that someone bought from me. And uh, worked for DuPont out there somewhere, and I just was fascinated by the beautiful lakes around there. Well, I have to tell you, uh, we're in western Michigan. I'm over in the Grand Rapids area, and I've finally uh, done a lot of my personal appearance work. I do a lot of my big personal appearances in February, January, February, March. So we just started getting around last weekend, and yeah, there's lakes everywhere, big hunting, fishing country out here. And it would not surprise me if there's a strong wooden boat club out here. Yeah, yeah, there was. <laughs> there was. Um, so, Harry, you're involved in a million different things, and I always love talking to people that are really into the business. And, and uh, you're a seasoned person, and you have a bunch of things going on. One of the things is called What You Got. Can you tell us about that? Right. Um, well, I like to play against the goodies, and, and I've always been one of these really gutsy kind of guys in my business and says, who can't appraise it if you can't see it? Well, heck with that. I, I can't see it, and I appraise it anyway. <laughs> um, what, what happens is what you got is an antiques and collectibles call-in show. It's mm -hmm. like the antique road show, or, or only it's on the radio, uh, which is kind of great fun. Uh, what happens is that it, it, it goes out live over the Internet, most of your listeners, uh, unless you're in Modesto, California, or uh, Redding, California, which are my two California affiliates, uh, you have to listen to it on the Internet. But And tragically, uh, in terms of live, it's on the Internet uh, 8 to 10 Eastern, so that would be 5 to 7 a.m. on Sunday morning's Pacific time. Ouch. Uh, yeah, well, uh, the good news is it's also archived. Uh-huh. And, mm -hmm. and what makes the show fun is it's got a toll-free 800 number, one 800 Two five nine five seven nine one, and should you be up early enough on a Sunday morning in California to call that number along the West Coast, uh, you can get into the show and you can ask me any question you want about any antique collectible or what's going on in the market, and I'll be glad to answer it uh, on the air. But the show is also archived on GCNlive.com, uh, and so you just go up there and click on Listen on the Toolbar and scroll down to what you got and pick a a day and an hour, and, and the show is two hours long, and you can download it, use it as a podcast, listen to it while you exercise, uh, you name it. Uh, it's all it's all Greek to me, as they say, technologically, but mm -hmm. uh, the show's now in its sixth year, so it's been a lot of fun, and I have 32 affiliates from coast to coast, and, and a, a very good 
loyal listening audience on the net. I mean, you know, the fun thing about doing this blog with you is it just goes to show the power of new technology, man. It's overwhelming. That's right. That's right. Now, the thing I'm curious about is uh, it's difficult enough sometimes to appraise something with the picture. And do you just really try to, are you like an investigator? Do you like, uh, in, well, how do you, you know, get... it's a funny thing about this. When you've been around as long as I have, and, you know, I don't want to suggest I'm such an old fart, but I'm going to be 70 this year. Ah. I can hear, I can hear a beginning description of something, and I can usually complete the description for the person because I know the object. Uh, now, every once in a while, you get some fun stuff which you're not familiar with, and that's what makes it really, really fun. I mean, those are, those are the questions that just absolutely blow my mind. And, and so what happens is that, you know, I'll ask some questions, and I'll make some notes, and then I'll do some research work, and we'll talk about it the following week uh, on the show. I mean, you know, as a good appraiser, you've got to be smart enough to know what you know and smart enough to know what you don't. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and when, I, when I know know it I, I can talk about it and i would say probably 80 85 percent of the stuff that people call in i can deal with, with with little to no trouble and then we have commercials and then i have my reference library in the other room and then i run like heck and <laughs> look it up <laughs> mm-hmm. just like they do in the road show so what the that's what right the heck? they do yeah now well you know it's always fun to me i i had my own show on home and garden tv for three years a collector inspector and you know we, the, the theory of the show is we would knock on a person's door and we would walk in the house and appraise the stuff in the house. Well, you know, I, I, unless somebody is totally naive and think I just walked on any block of the street and do that, those homes were all pre-screened and I got to see a good part of the stuff before, you know, uh, mm-hmm. we, we taped it, uh, largely because we were concerned about duplicating things from year to year and show to show. And, and, and usually, even though I saw a tape of it, we probably did less than 40% of what I picked out to begin with. I always found better stuff in the house once I got there. But, you know, uh, the Roadshow carries a huge reference library with it. It's got, they've got all big, huge bank of computers for those appraisers, yeah. as well they should, because an appraiser isn't necessarily about what's on the top of your head. It's about your ability to research an object and find out about it. That's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, the, uh, of course, a lot has changed since the internet has come along. I mean, I had myself, my father passed his reference library down to me, which now uh, I kept all the best books out of it, but the rest of it's gone because uh, it's so much easier to use the internet. Well, I just, uh, I have to tell you, I just uh, sold my school building in Pennsylvania that had the old Rinker Enterprises files in it, my research center files, and the library was in a former classroom. I, I owned an elementary school. And it was about 7,000 volumes. Wow. And and, uh, the great news is I sold it to WorthPoint, which is one of the online pricing sources. Mm -hmm. And they're moving it to Atlanta, and I'm flying down setting up the full reference library for them. So it lives on, which I am excited about. Wow. Now, now again, again, they want it because because they're trying to become a universal reference site. And, you know, no matter yes. how good the debt is, there's still stuff up there you can't find. And Absolutely. If, if you had a solid reference library, some of those esoteric specialized books that were done once and in, in print for a year and then disappeared, I mean, it's incredible what is out there. You know, it's the same thing with, uh, we. you know, the Internet's 
has been around such a short time, really. And you think of all the old auction catalogs, for one, that have all the great information in that you, you won't find on the Internet. Well, the thing about it is that, uh, that they bought my auction. Well, along with the library, they got my auction catalog file that went back into the 20s. Wow, isn't that nice? Yeah, so, you know, it, it was hard for me to give it up. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, it's, going, it's going to a place that's going to get better use than I was using it for. And I feel very strongly that, that, you know, somewhere in America there has to be a central research center. And Worth Point certainly seems to be committed to that. At least I'm hoping they are. They I mean, sure once are. they own my library, they can do with it what they want. So God only knows it may get broken up someday, but at least not immediately. Harry, I wanted to ask you, how did you get, this is always a fascinating question to me, how did you get started in the antique business? Well, I have a series of stock answers for that. <laughs> I have the bassinet they brought me home from the hospital, I have the crib I slept in, and the high chair I sat in, and that says a lot. And, uh, now, I, I tell people that the problem of growing up Pennsylvania German, and I descend from a long line of Pennsylvania Germans, is that there are two phrases in our culture that haunt us all our life. It's too good to throw out, and I'll never know when I'll need it. <laughs> and so the attics, the basements, the closets, the garages, the sheds, under the bed, you name it, gets filled up with stuff. And so most of us grow up with piles of stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and I grew up in a big nucleated family with piles of stuff and in and out of houses all the time. And, and it, it's kind of fun today because... It, I've lived with all this stuff. I mean, I, my, my grandparents and, and their friends and my great aunts and great uncles all were born in the late 1880s and lived in their parents' homes that dated back to the Civil War. And then we went through my parents and, and their brothers and sisters, you know, got married in the 20s and 30s. So we went in and out of their homes. And then we grew up in the 50s. And, you know, we started homes in 50s and 60s. So I grew up with all that stuff. So it's like, like I've been living with about 150 years worth of this stuff pretty much all my life. Hmm. And all you have to have is a good memory, man. <laughs> That's right. Well, to have a good memory, I think you've got to have a passion for it because, um, believe me, I've worked with people at an auction gallery that had been there for five or ten years, and they would have to look up a piece of Roseville every month when it came in for an no, auction. No, that's you know? bad business. Yeah. Well, actually, actually, while my memory, while not photographic, is nearly photographic. And when I used to train antique dealers, I would, and, and, and I was at the museum game for 15 years before I broke away and went independent and got involved in this part of the part of the business. Uh, what I used to do with the museum people, and the museum trainees, we would take them to people's homes to show them collections and stuff. And then we would go back to the classroom and I would have them diagram the entire room they saw, where everything was, what every piece was, and so oh, forth. Wow. And I said to them, you have to kind of treat this like the fact that here you are, a museum curator, you get invited into a private collection, and at some point in your career, you may need a piece from that collection for an exhibit or something. You've got to remember where you saw it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You've got to know exactly what it is you saw. You've got to remember where you see it, and you've got to retain that memory. Well, they all, you know, they think, well, you're nuts, you know, you're crazy. But the truth of the matter is, as you know, if you're, if you're an antique or well, if you're a collector, whatever the heck you are, the whole point is you're out at an antique show, and usually what I try to do, only because I found it uh, helpful, is I'll, I'll do what we call run a show when I get there. I'll walk to it very rapidly and, and mm -hmm. look at all the booths and try to identify the booths I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. And then I'll go back 
and start over again. Well, the problem is if you've seen something or you've seen a booth that had something, and you better remember where it was. Yeah. Or, or you're winding up spending a fair amount of your time roaming around that show wondering, oh, I saw that, where is that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. You now, know, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't make excuses for us old-timers that misplace stuff because of our <laughs> age, but we won't go there. Okay. You know, it's, it's uh, I have to say, I, I have a, uh, I've been blessed with a memory for items. I really have been very lucky like that. If I go into a house and look at uh, a whole household, and the people are deciding whether they want it to go to auction or not, and then they call me later, I'll usually have it, I'll usually, I'll, I'll write it up from memory, and when I go back there, they're like, how did you do that? You know, it's like, because I do pay attention, and I think that well, really... I, I, I think we could train ourselves to do that. Yeah. You know, it, it, you know, people always say, how do you know all this stuff? And the answer is, it, it's like any profession, we're exposed to it. And, if, and as you say, if, you, if you're enthusiastic and you have a passion for it, and you have a desire to learn. I mean, that's that's another big big thing. You have to, yes. you have to have that desire to see education as a lifelong experience. Once you have that, then getting ahead in our business isn't hard. That's right. And there's still, you know, no matter how, I think no matter how much I can speak for myself here, but no matter how much I've learned, I've got. I feel like I've scratched the surface after 37 years of doing this. Oh, listen, I have. I have to. I'll tell you. Just one of my recent stories. I, I, I do, you know, not only gets the goody clinics on the air, but I also go around and do one man roadshow personal appearances all over the country, and I do it for two things. I love, I love to test what I know. Mm-hmm. You know, you're always saying, you know, but there's always the thing you're going to see that you never saw before. Right. So mm-hmm. in, in into my into one of the appraisals that 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 I did in walks a woman with a advertisement for old tobacco carts. It's, it's, it's fairly good size. It's for fish smooth tobacco, and it has old opera singers on it. And the cards are faded, but they're, and they're fairly large for tobacco cards from just so tobacco. Mm-hmm. And it's split down the middle, and there are 21 cards on there, and three of them are missing. And you look at this thing, and you know, you say to the woman, you know, okay, it's not the not in great shape, but it's clearly a, a good hundred years old, you know, figuring at least you're in 1910 or so. And, and you know, you, you think, okay, how, you know, I've, I haven't seen it before. And so I say to her, well, okay, maybe four or 500 bucks, or, you know, 300, 350 because of the damage. Uh, but then, you know, you get done and you say, boy, there, that, that thing just intrigues the crap out of me. I'm going to research it. Mm-hmm. Well, didn't a company called Just So Tobacco make the rarest set of baseball cards ever known. Really? In 1893, Just So Tobacco issued a series of 15 baseball cards of the Cleveland Spiders, <laughs> of which Ty, of which, uh, not, yeah, well, not Ty Cow, I forget. Oh, yeah, uh, Alexander was a pitcher. There was some. So Cy Young, Cy Young was the oh, yeah. for the Cleveland mm-hmm. Spiders. Okay, the Cy Young award. Yeah, I know. Yeah. There were 15 cards in the series. Only 25 cards from the series are known, and there's no complete set. Oh my goodness! They found an an example in the framework of a home they were tearing down in Pennsylvania three years ago. A Buck Ewing, yeah, Ewing E W I N G card. I think that's the right one. Only one ever known on a scale of one then graded at one, which means it's god awful, right? 
Mm-hmm. Sold, sold for thirty-seven thousand five. Now, you know, just just so somebody could say, I own this only known example of this card. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, alas, opera singers are not baseball players, <laughs> right? Yeah. But, but but you know, forget the fact of the baseball collectors. There are serious tobacco card collectors out there. Yes. Mm-hmm. And not just in the U.S., but in, in England. And this is another thing when you're doing what we do. you got to know the world market today because it's global. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so you, so you I don't know, know what you know about tobacco cards, but Murray's International out of England is the biggest dealer in tobacco cards. So I've taken some photographs. I'm going to send them over to Murray's. My guess is that even damaged, that the right tobacco collector is going to pay four or six grand for this, maybe more. Wow. Wow. And now, but there, you know, you could have left, you know, you could have walked away, and I'm, I'm not sure three, four hundred would have been wrong either for somebody. But what, what adds value in our business? Knowledge. Hmm. The more you know about something, the more valuable it becomes. Absolutely. Because I tell people that what we really sell in our business are stories and dreams. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right because it's uh, the value is all perceived. You know, it's it really all is. perceived value. That's right. Mm-hmm. Nothing, you know, our stuff only has value, though. At one instant in time, when money changes hands, and other than that, it, it's worthless. Mm-hmm. So the, the thing about it is, the more you could, more pizzazz, it's whatever you could put to the story, the, the greater the value. Yes. So, but, so I tell you, I just gone, I've gone nuts with this stuff, with this thing. I, I just, and you know what's, what's really strange? Well, I can find other things about you. I can't find anything about the company. Nobody knows. Wow about the Fishmooth Company. Now, I don't know if this is the first time any, anybody knows that Just So Tobacco is produced by a company called Fishmooth or not. But, you, you know, you, no matter how good the net is, you, I mean, I, I almost feel like i got to get down to Cleveland. That's probably, that's, you know, like the old, old way, like I'm sure you did and I do. I used to always contact local historical societies. Oh, and, man, you know. I'll tell you, you and I are... Friends, the local reference librarian or the reference librarian at the local historical society are the best friends we have in the business. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I love doing the appraisal clinics like you're talking about because um, I do one every year at this garden club north of here. And you, this stuff that comes in the door, and this is in California. You think of California, a lot of people think of California as maybe not having um, some oh. really... Oh boy, it's loaded. Yeah, and I have to tell you, this is this is the one thing I, I I know. I'll say it unequivocally. Anyone that tells people that all the stuff is out in the hands of antique dealers or in museums or in collectors doesn't know what they're talking about. America's homes are loaded. Mm-hmm. Lo- I mean, the antique show, uh, roadshow, and these others—they haven't even touched the surface. That's right. And uh, let's talk a little bit about that. I think uh, myself. I really, uh, you know, there's all these shows on now all related to antiques, and, and they're, as far as a lot of auctioneers I talk to, they're like, oh, you know, I don't like that. It, it causes havoc. You know, people think they know what things are worth, but I think it's a great thing. Look, there's a song that called That's Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. shows are entertainment. Come yeah. on, I, I did a collector inspector for three years. It's entertaining. We were, we were there to entertain. Yep. Now, the good news is that anything that, that gets people interested in antiques and collectibles, anything that gets the stuff yes. drug out of the attic, that, and whatever, it's there. Now, I, I, don't, I, ne- I didn't have as much a problem with the shows that were on 
in the in the late 80s, early 90s, at, and and I had no problem with the roadshow except for some of the crooks that were on over the years. <laughs> well, I testified against Blanchard in court. Yeah, I know about that one situation. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. but but other other than that, and, and you know, and, and I mean, a lot of those guys are my friends, and you know, and I play gets the goodies along with them, and I, I I'm probably in the same box part they are 70 percent of the time which isn't bad uh, and mm -hmm. i know i know they, they they you know they're a little generous so they can get themselves on the air but so what mm -hmm. i mean it's all entertainment yeah really really it, it's just entertainment and that's fine now this new crop of shows though bothers me <laughs> I, I mean I'll, I'll i'll just tell you i don't like the suggestion we're out to swindle people oh now i know what show I, you're talking I, about well, I don't, I don't like pawnbrokers and or whatever, whatever that. That's what it's is. called. Yeah, I've only watched a few times. And, and some, of, and some of these other ones. Now, the, the thing about it is that, yeah, yeah, if somebody comes out and says, well, a dealer has to make a profit, and, and, and all the rest of these, or no, not, 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 not the pickers is the one that, that I've watched a few times, and that that troubles me. Mm -hmm. The other, the other thing too is, 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 is at this point of the game. The chances of those people finding that much stuff on that regularity out in the field is impossible. Mm. You know that as well as I do. They have a camera behind them. Yeah, that's exactly right. The name of the game is that that stuff is also a lot of that stuff is salted into those shows. Mm. Mm -hmm. But it's okay. It's yeah. entertainment. It calls attention to our trade. It doesn't bother me. I think what you said earlier, just a few minutes ago, is what I like the most about it. It causes awareness. It gets more people interested, and we we really have to, you know, get the young people interested in the Well, now you, now you probably hit one of the hugest issues in the trade right now. There is an enormous gap between the old traditional collectors and the new younger collectors. Yes. I am not for one minute going to say there are not young collectors, that there are a ton of young collectors out there. The problem is they're not collecting what the old collectors are collecting. That's right. Or have collected. Mm -hmm. Now... Two problems. First of all, the old collectors were such snots that, that they, they turned the young people off. Ah, yes. I, I mean, seriously, you know, they, 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 they didn't promote their product. Mm -hmm. and, they, you know, kept, they kept their knowledge, too. That, that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. that, but the other thing is the young people don't have the same connections with the past that we, we did. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't, they come from smaller families. They move around a lot more quickly. Their, their focus is different. They're... They're, they're a computer generation. They're, they're going to look at things differently. Mm -hmm. you, know, you, you know, I'm, I'm sure, sure, I mean, what I'm about to tell you, you, you know, too, you get the call every week, hi, we're cleaning out the house, and the kids don't want grandma's china, and you say, well, when was the last time you used it? Well, we don't use it. Why don't you use it? It's too valuable to use. I say, no wonder the kids don't want it. <laughs> I hear that, you know, I was at a very busy auction house for five years, and we dealt in, uh, we had almost 3,000 lots a month, and it was once a month auction, yeah. two two day auction. And that was the number one phrase I heard. Yep. Was the what? kids do not want it, or the grandkids don't well, want anything to do with it? Well, the reason for that, first of all, is the grandkids today aren't going to take anything that they can't use. 
Mm-hmm. It's a different generation. Nobody's building huge collections. Nobody's storing stuff. They can't use it. They're not that interested in it. Yeah, I mean, who, same with sterling silver flatware. You know. Exactly. Well, the good news is, is they, they take it today because they don't they melt the melt value of silver. They're, Give them some credit. They're melting it down. Yeah, I hope they don't melt down the George Jensen and, you know. No, <laughs> no, no, we would hope that. But, but, but hey, who knows? Yeah. But, 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 the, thing, but the thing is, going getting, getting by that, that problem for, for the second, uh, the young, young people, you, you know, the, the, they were told, don't touch this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a, I have a chocolate set. You know what we do with it? When my grandchildren come, we drink hot chocolate out of it. Because what is a chocolate set for but to drink hot chocolate? It is not to go in a corner cupboard and say to the grandchildren, don't touch that, that's Granny's. <laughs> where did that come from? I mean, I know exactly well, where you happened. I'll tell you where it came from because I'm, I, I, I'm long enough to remember when collecting was, you, you know, now I'm 70, as I told you, but I've also, as you know, reflect a lot about what happened to our business over the generations. And what happened, unfortunately, unfortunately was when I started out, collecting was a hobby. It wasn't about the money. Mm-hmm. But in the 70s and 80s, it became about the value of things. And when things became valuable, they became too valuable to use. Mm. And, and they started winding up in hutches and so forth and not on the dinner table. And people weren't sitting on them and eating with them and playing with them and doing the rest of the things that they do with that kind of stuff, okay? The way you're supposed to do it. Yeah. Yes, and so no memories were created. And one wow. of the things that you know, and, and 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 I know, is that there's no value without memory. That's right. And when the memory chain gets broken, mm-hmm. then then the value goes away. And so it, 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 it's happening in my family. I've got six of my eight family lines Bibles, the big old thick Bibles, mm-hmm. and my son has no interest in them at all. Mm-hmm. nor do my cousins, nor do any of their children. Mm. Now, I knew a lot of the people associated with them, but n- none, of my, none of the rest of them do. My kids, my kids didn't know my parents or my grandparents. Mm. So, you know, they see all this stuff. I say, oh, that belonged to great-grandpa. My, my, my son says, who cares? <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and you, try, you try to create the memories. You, you know, when, my wife and I are very big about using her parents and my parents uh, dinnerware services and flatware and stuff when the kids come and when we entertain and all the rest of this type of stuff uh and you know if you break it you just replace it i mean it was mass production stuff uh and we're trying real hard to create to create memories i mean my my granddaughters and my grandchildren uh sleep in bedroom suite of my great-grandparents you know and Mm -hmm. we try i try to you know we've got pictures in there we try to set up linkages. Now, whether it means anything or not, you know, we don't. But I don't blame. Look, I don't. I don't blame anybody for not wanting the old stuff if they don't want it. Why? Why? Why should they have it? All I care about is they collect something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if if that, that's something they collect is teenage mutant ninja turtles, that teenage mutant ninja turtles, it is. <laughs> I, it's funny. I wrote a blog uh, just uh, yesterday. Oh, did you, I hope you said every told them how hot that stuff's getting. Well, I wrote a blog about collecting trends and things like that. In, uh, yes. And it, it is it is funny. I think we we tend what you just said is what I put in the blog, and that is that we reach back um, to associate pieces with memories. And uh, you know, yeah, and, and, and there's 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 my big concern because the memories of today's young collectors are their memories and maybe the memories of their parents' home, but not much beyond that. That's right. Wow. That, and and that link, 
Look, here's the name of the game. Grandpa's house is from the 60s. Got a life. It's not from the 1950s. It's not from the 30s and 40s. It's not from the 20s. And it's not from the teens because today when you say the teens, it's the 21st century. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's a, I've lived long enough to have math become a problem in my business. Well, you know, I, me too. And I've said to, you know, a lot of times people will, uh, they'll debate something if I'm at an appraisal clinic and they'll say, no, 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 you got to be wrong. That belonged to my grandmother. And, you know, she died when she was 90. Uh, well, how long ago did she die? Well, she died in 1982. And, okay, so uh, it's not possible that she bought this in 1960. No, she bought it in 1981. Come on, man. That's always my favorite response, too. Just bought to my grandmother. When did she die? 1985. Well, that's the last day she could have bought it. In fact, I just just appraised a collection uh, of a a great collector. Uh, Probably probably one of the most comprehensive paper ephemera collections I ever see. A guy collected paper related to American toy trains. Oh, wow. I've, I've, I've never seen a collection of such depth and breadth in my life. Mm. Uh, and I, and I, I got called it because nobody else had the guts to go in to try to appraise it. Mm. But that, that, that aside, it, besides being such a, a, a great collection, the guy died in 2009, I think of the, near the end of the year, and I have sales receipts from July 2009. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, this was a man... Who, who lived, you know, he was probably paying bills when he dropped over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, now we're just talking about trains. I think train collecting is still a very strong hobby. Toy train. Well, the, the train collectors are smart. You go to a train show and you'll see three generations of people there. Mm-hmm. You'll see the grandparent with the grandkids. You'll see the father with his children. Yeah. And, and you'll see it. Actually, I, I just got back from Germany. Uh, as I said, today, if you want to understand where this market is, you have to follow it internationally. So I travel abroad and so and look around. And one of the big revivals right now among retired guys in their late 60s, well, in their early 60s and 70s, is they're rebuilding all their HO layouts from the 50s. Wow. And, and I was in I was in Aachen, Germany, in probably one of the neatest toy train shops I've ever seen. Uh, not just uh, first of all, I was overwhelmed by the quantity of modern stuff, but and and, and brands that I mean I maybe may have recognized twenty percent of the stuff, and all the rest were brands I'd never heard of before, which showed how little I knew really about the European stuff. Mm-hmm. But. I just saw some great stuff that my friend, the friend I was with, was rebuilding his rig. Hmm. And so, yeah, toy trains are, hey, they're, after all, they're toys. <laughs> right. Now, I, I mean, no, I have to, I, I, the, the other year, I, I was going to buy a toy train for my granddaughter. I hate the sexist stuff where you buy toy trains for men and dolls for yeah. girls. Or, mm-hmm. you know. So I got to buy my granddaughter a toy train. So I go out and look at these, these new Lionel rigs. You know, three, four hundred bucks. But the thing is, you know, the, the new stuff is all computerized, computerized sounds, blah, 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 blah all this and that. And, mm. and you're thinking, you know, don't, why did you have toy trains in the old days? Because you, you put the rig on the floor, you ran the sucker around the curb, and you see how far across the carpet it would go. <laughs> I did that, too. <laughs> no, did you? See, I tell that story when I'm out there, and you could just see the, the guy's faces light up when you'd say that. Oh, yeah. Because nobody ever wants to admit they did it. Oh, I did it at night with the light, you know, with the little train light on. Oh, 
yeah. there you go. That was the best. Yes, it was. Well, anyway, so I'm thinking I got my old American Flyer rig down in the basement. So what am I, what am I doing? I'm having it reconditioned by a toy, a toy train guy, and that's what, I, what my granddaughter and I are going to play with. Wow, isn't that great? That's great. And that's from your childhood? Sure. Wow, that's wonderful. Hey, listen, back when we were kids, we only got... Yeah, now, again, I grew up in the late 40s and 50s, right? Mm-hmm. So you'd come down the stairs on Christmas morning, and there'd be eight packages under the tree, right? Mm. And you think, man, I made a killing. <laughs> and you opened the first package up, and it was underwear. <laughs> Do you still have those? <laughs> no. What I, what I did was that I... I, I, used to, I fought endlessly with my parents about the fact that I did not need shirts, ties, pants, underwear, and socks for on Christmas Day. That I could use them when they bought them. They didn't have to put them away and hide them in gift wrap them. <laughs> exactly. And today, I will not accept any Christmas gift from, from my wife or kids that are not toys. <laughs> That's great. Well, Harry, I think we've run out of time. And yeah, probably. Yeah, we have. And, That's uh, the story of our life. You know, let's end on let's end on the note that that you said about it being entertaining, and I told you that about the shows. It's also been fun. Yeah. And I think for me, and and I and I got it for you too, Martin. Is the key to all this is if you can't have fun with this, if you can't laugh about this stuff, get the heck out of it. Yeah, that's right. The stuffy, boring, antique business—it doesn't have to be. No, no. If it's not fun, if you can't let look. It's the biggest assortment of weirdos in the in the world. Exactly. <laughs> but I, okay, but I'll add this one. I'm going to tell you something you don't know. Okay. There is a collector gene in the DNA. Hmm. Yeah, there is. Now, look, how do genes work, right? They're more fully developed in some people than others, right? Hmm. They skip a generation from time to time. So sometimes there's a collector and then there's not, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's true, and they haven't found every gene out there, so if it's true there's a collector gene in the DNA, then the following truth is self-evident. People who collect are normal, and people who do not collect are sick. And our job is to cure all those sick people. Oh, this is great. I love it. I love it. Okay, what better way to end a show than that? All right, Harry, thank you so much. Hey, not a problem. All right, so this is Martin Willis with Harry Rinker, and we're signing off. website antiqueauctionforum.com please stop by the forum message board click on the community tab at the top of the menu bar and you can join in on a topic post your own website links and do a lot more thanks so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed today's show